I am. Welcome to our podcast uh, and webisode series called If You Don't Mind Me Asking, uh, where we ask as many questions as we can in a sprightly 20 minutes uh, to find out about the lived experiences of people with disabilities. Uh, my name is Daniel Cady and I'm here with our co-host Lucy Ruck. Uh, lovely to uh, be joined today by Heather Lacey from Evershed Sunderland. Um, so rather than me yabbering on about stuff, we're going to fire straight in. We've got some questions for you. 20 minutes goes ever so quickly as we are realising. Um, can you tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, where you come from and, and what you do in the day job? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll try and cram that all into a nice brief answer for you. So, um, yep, yeah, I'm Heather Lacey. I am an senior marketing executive now at Evershed Sutherland, um, which is an international law firm. Um, quick run through of what I do in my role, I suppose. Um, I create a lot of content. I create podcasts. Um, I work with lawyers just to make sure they know what they're sort of selling to the market and, you know, to sort of sell their services to clients. Um, so really varied role. Um, in terms of, you know, sort of where I've come from. So I... I have had a different sort of varied background in careers. I started off really wanting to go into teaching and I taught for a year, which is interesting. Um, and then I, you know, ended up landing on a, a job at Evershed Sutherland doing Fiona work. And that was totally different again, very client facing. And now, as I say, I, I sort of assist lawyers within um, our practice groups just to, you know, make sure they're, they're sort of keeping up to date with business development. So all all very you know um varied and unusual I think my my sort of career um and then really just sort of a, a quick run through of you know my disabilities and and how they affect me so I have cerebral palsy which um I was born with so caused by a brain injury we don't really know the cause of the brain injury which is often the case um and the easiest way to sort of describe it is um, it's as if I had a stroke, I suppose. So the right hand side of my body, um, I have mobility issues. I also have issues with um, chronic pain, fatigue, um, you know, doing fine motor skills, that sort of thing. Um, and I've got associated um, spinal curvature, which causes chronic pain. And also um, I have a diagnosis of complex PTSD, um, which is basically a result of um, lots of uh, prolonged traumas if you like rather than one particular one so that has a real impact on how I sort of perceive the world and um and myself within that um so in terms of you know how that overlaps with my role there's obviously lots of different things for me to consider um day to day particularly in the environment you know we're a large corporate environment we do lots of different work for a huge variety of clients and um you know there's sort of those those pressures as well um and time constraints and deadlines to meet so lots of different things for me to think about there when it comes to disabilities and, and working in this kind of workplace particularly when I think about what I used to do which was you know I, I taught for a year which was another different kind of stressor um and, you know, then I was client facing and now working with lawyers, which um, I actually really enjoy. No day is ever the same. And that's the way I like it. Fantastic. Sounds like quite a mixed audience as well. Um, you, you spoke there about some of the um, chronic pain. It'd be interesting to hear about how disability does um, and has impacted your life, sort of like positive and negative side of that. Yeah, so chronic pain is is a, a key one, really, a key symptom for me. And um, 
that that sort of means for me you know I'm in a level of pain every day um that will fluctuate and I think you know what I've learned within sort of the disability community and speaking to friends and making making friends with people with all sorts of, of disabilities is things fluctuate there's no one day that I wake up and think oh I feel exactly the same way as I did yesterday um some days I maybe might anticipate or expect that I'll have more pain than others maybe because I've I don't know um spent too long cleaning the kitchen or something Mm -hmm. and overexerting myself but then other days I can be super active and be okay and then some days I'll wake up and just be in a lot of pain for no particular reason um so everything fluctuates and I think that's the same with um my fatigue levels as well so some days I I'm never fully refreshed and I think there's there's always this preconception that if you have fatigue um you can have a nice sleep and get into some great sleep hygiene and all that and suddenly you'll be well rested and you'll feel great when you wake up I never (laughs) I just (laughs) I could fall asleep as soon as I wake up um some days I have to have naps midday some days I nap for a few hours after work which I'm pretty sure doesn't count as a nap anymore um you know needs must so it's it's sort of these things really do you know affect me on a different basis every day does that sort of answer the question yeah Yeah, I think that the chronic pain one it's something people don't often talk about because let's face it I mean disability is not sexy in itself in many ways although it kind of should be why not you know yeah um but chronic pain just sort of I mean it just sounds really miserable doesn't it and it it is and I know we we shared about we were talking about our own experience of chronic pain and it it does fluctuate and sometimes you can go ah it's because I was really busy say cleaning the kitchen making the bed yesterday or whatever and so therefore it's flared up other times it just happens my chronic pain often comes at night and bizarrely integrates itself into my dreams which is kind of like really I can't work out if I'm actually having the pain or if it's a dream you know and that's really confusing I know you were talking as well we were talking about um balloons which I thought was really intriguing as well can you tell us about the balloons the balloons so um I I do mention this to people occasionally like I have I guess it's not irrational to me. It makes sense now I understand what, what's causing it, but I really cannot stand balloons, loud noises, sometimes, um, you know, motorbikes revving or um, gunshot sounds, those sort of things. I am filled with such a sense of, uh, I can't describe it, doom, fear. Um, and for a lo- the longest time, I just thought I was a bit, a bit weird, honestly. Um, I remember feeling absolutely petrified of like fire alarms at school, for instance. Um, and it wasn't until I was, you know, in my late teenage years that I found out a lot of people with neurological um, conditions, particularly brain injuries, will have a heightened startle reflex. And that's what that is. Um, and it's not just, you know, I can say if I want to go and see fireworks, I might anticipate that there's going to be a loud noise, but it doesn't negate the fear or the Mm. reaction to it. And the startle, because I have cerebral palsy, the startle is also painful on my muscles because my muscles are painful anyway. Um, So it can flare everything. And I think, you know, you're completely right. Balloons. I do not like balloons. I would rather just not have balloons (laughs) at all. And just in case they, uh, they pop, um, but yeah, it's, it's a weird one. I think, obviously, 
now I know I have um, compost PTSD as well. That probably plays a, a massive part into mm-hmm. it too. Um, so yeah, it's a weird one, but I think interesting to understand. So for me, fire alarms at work, I have like a little reminder telling me when we're going to have a test every week. Um, and I always carry a pair of um, earplugs with me wherever I go. So if I do start having noise sensitivities or issues, it might not just be a bang. It might be, you know, sometimes I just get completely overwhelmed with noises. Um, I'll pop them in and things are a little bit more um, tolerable, I suppose, mm. bearable there. And I guess there's something about explaining to other people in terms of why you're behaving like that around balloons, because to other people, it's just it's not a typical response, is it? Um, no. I'm going to move this on. I'm just so aware of time. I don't want to cover so much. So I was going to ask about insults. We haven't really covered this in a lot of the other podcasts, but we, when we were chatting, you gave us a really interesting um, insult that you'd received. And I just wanted to talk around that a little bit as well. Yeah, insults. I mean, I'm sure every disabled person, yeah, every disabled person will have come across an insult, um, sometimes on a very daily basis. But I think for me, the most surprising ones have been, you know, questions of, you know, I don't know how you do it. How could you live like that? And for me, I've been born with cerebral palsy. This is this is just my life. Um, you know, I've not known any differently prior to that. Um, so obviously it's an it's a incredibly rude thing to say anyway I'm not sure you'd say that about yeah. well a lot of people wouldn't say that about other things that maybe you just I don't know you're born with brown hair like oh yeah I oh, could never could never do it and um, so yeah obviously terrible thing to say um, but also I think there's this very real um, difference in the way disabilities perceive particularly when someone's born disabled and when someone acquires a disability now I always bring um Andrew my my fiance his example into this so he has MS so you know we're a household I have cerebral palsy he has MS we're a great a great time just a neurological condition household um but as a result you know he's had a life sort of pre-MS and pre-MS diagnosis and he can sort of you know think back to how things maybe were for him um and I don't have that so I think that's a it's a really interesting interesting point because a lot of people who are born disabled I think they you know they just can't conceive that this would even be a thought that someone would have you know how do you cope I could never deal with that because what we do it's just our everyday right um and I think there's there is a difference in the disability community for people who become disabled and people who have always been disabled because there is that difference in perception in actual real life as well you know they they can see what life was like before so it's a real interesting um, dynamic and I think the contrast I feel like I'm far more along if you like in my my disability identity and how I feel about identifying as a disabled person whereas someone who seems to acquire a disability I think is more likely to not want to say that they're disabled not want to give in or they have Mm. you know language around that not giving in wanting to battle fight be a warrior um Mm. and I don't find that very useful I don't think that's a useful um way to to frame things because no one has to fight um their disability or illness um it's just sometimes a part of your life and you know it's a part of who you are 
And I think whether you're born with it or or you you develop it, it's just another sort of beautiful facet of, you know, the variety that we have of people. It's just a, a facet of normal, isn't it? Absolutely. And I agree. It's interesting because I acquired my disability rather than being born with it. But I was quite young. I was 17. Mm. And actually, I kind of embraced it. I'm getting wrong. I felt I did a bit of self-pity went on in there, yeah. inevitably, as does with these things. But I kind of love that sort of disability pride movement almost where actually it is a massive part of me. Don't deny me my disability. It made me who I am. And it helped sort of shape and mould this person in the same way my kids did or my partner and whatever. It's just different facets and components of the person I am. So that, that's really interesting. Anyway, I'm going to hand over to Dan, who's got a question. That was our yabber on as well. Yeah, no, it's all fun. Fun finding different ways to be able to live with yourself um, mm. as well as then finding ways to live with other people's preconceptions of you. It's quite a difficult task, isn't it? But yeah. um, there was one one thing we did we did want to ask as well, um, which is, as you say, you're a long way along your uh, your your journey at the moment. But if there was any advice that you'd give to your younger self. Uh, other than just avoiding balloons at all costs, obviously. <laughs> any other advice that you'd give to your younger self? Oh, that's a really nice one. Um, to be honest, I think I mentioned this last time when um, you know, we had a, a quick catch-up. I was still quite nostalgic thinking about my younger self because I, you know, was I grew up um in the 90s, um, 2000s was sort of when I was accessing a lot of treatment and, and medical care. And nothing was ever really explained to me. I was very scared. Um, child, I didn't, you know, I was going to hospital. No one really told me why. No one told me, um, you know, what this was going to mean for me growing up. And I think there was, you know, basically because I could walk. And this is this is another a whole whole other you know story we could talk about. But because I could do that, all of my other symptoms were sort of. Uh, not really acknowledged at all so once I got to the stage where I was walking pretty well I'd had surgery and everything um the pain wasn't ever explained um the you know these neurological differences that I had weren't ever even accounted for never mind explained and I was just really really anxious as a child and I understand it now um and I think things are getting better and I hope they're getting better for young people, particularly with uh, disabilities like cerebral palsy, because, you know, we continue to have cerebral palsy. I continue to have it. I've not grown out of it. But my medical care stopped when I was 16 because I was no longer a child. Um, but what I would like to say to her is you'll, you'll find a way that like you'll get there. You'll get through it. Um, I think I needed to. It would have been great for me to have been um, told that by someone you know, rather than seeing all these limps and things that I, I suddenly had to do in my everyday life. And then all of a sudden being told I also needed a spinal brace and I might need surgery on my spine because of the, the curvature there. It would have been great for me to have someone to advocate for me and actually say, you know what, it's fine. You're going to get through this. People get through this. And this is just part of who you are. And that's OK. That's more than OK. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably what I'd say to, to little Heather. Little Heather, I feel all maternal over little I Heather. <laughs> I know. And then you know, you'd go, you know, you you you're gonna have a fiance, you're gonna have a gorgeous dog who we saw exactly. at the beginning. Do sorry, oh, I need yeah, dog sorry. I need dog's name. Um she's called Sadie, she's currently napping. Um hard dog. life. 
I know, it's a dog, literally, it's a dog's life. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to ask, if you could make a call to action to anyone, what would it be and what would it be for? Yeah, so, I mean, I am really keen that we keep this on the agenda, particularly mm -hmm. for employers. Um, I know we all like to give ourselves a pat on the back when we've done something great, and we should be. We should be celebrating, but disabled people are not going away. We're here to stay likelihood is we're probably going to increase in number more people are you know living longer they are also might be working longer um we have medical advances and technologies that allow people to to sort of live with all sorts of different disabilities and illnesses we're not going away we're at least one in five of your workforce mm -hmm. um and we need to make sure that there's always things progressing and changing and there's room for improvement sorry I just got a hospital letter come through the door that's very apt isn't it um so you know there's always room for improvement and we need to continue to keep this at the very top of the agenda this affects everyone in every intersectionality um so there's no excuse to to stop what we're doing just because we've we've maybe done a good job in some areas we can always do more one of my favourite little quotes I've used sometimes, and I can't remember where I heard it, but I think so many people have used it now, but disability is the only minority group that anyone can join at any time. Exactly. It knows no barriers. And I think that's absolutely true, isn't it? And yet it's the poor relative in diversity and inclusion, isn't it, unfortunately? It is. It is. It's true. But we'll we'll get there. And, you know, hopefully conversations like this will really encourage people to, to talk and be more open um, and actually, you know, make sure we're making that difference. I think that harks back to the uh, advice that you're saying to um, give to young Heather as well, that a lot of this almost seems to be about uh, being able to contextualise things for people who are where they're going through their own journey. But the more stories and the more people are actually talking about disability in their own experience mm. actually helps people to realise, oh, actually, there are jobs there. There are employers. There's uh, there is support out there as well. And people do get through. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, I think we're drawing to a close and you did mention at the top all of the different things that you uh, you do and you are up to, Heather. So it'd be great if you could just let us know where we can find you online. Yeah, so um, I tweet um, at the moment under at HTLCY if you'd like to uh, be involved there. I do have a website called nosuperhero.co.uk. I am um, sneak peek. I am actually switching my website over, but um, I'll I'll give you all the details there. Um, and I can be found on Instagram as well at, at no superhero um, underscore. Um, but I am also really keen on using LinkedIn too. I think LinkedIn is a great tool for employers um, and also you know spreading the word around the workforce. So um, find me on LinkedIn. Just type in Heather Lacey, and I'm sure I'll pop up somewhere. Yeah, and you know this is a business issue, so we should talk about it on LinkedIn, shouldn't we? We should, you know? we should. absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you ever so much for your time today, Heather. It's been fantastic, and thanks for you know sharing personal stories. And I've got this little image of little little Heather now in my <laughs> head as well, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. You take care. Thanks, both. Thank you for listening. You can find future episodes on major streaming platforms. Search Business Disability Forum or at businessdisabilityforum.org.uk and search podcasts. You can also watch the series on our YouTube channel. Search for Business Disability Forum. Please do share and leave us a rating.
Business Disability Forum is the leading business membership organisation in disability inclusion. We work in partnership with business, government and disabled people to remove barriers to inclusion. Businessdisabilityforum.org.uk